Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all of them, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 144. So I'm recording this on, um, oh my gosh, on August 16th, 2021. And um, today's going to be kind of an overall overview episode. I want to start out by saying it is Monday, and I hope you had a really good weekend. We're heading into kind of the final leg of the summer. And, um, you know, with that, I think there's just kind of a natural tendency to start to think about goals and, um, you know, whether or not you have kids that are going off to school or you're in school, or you've already got something on the docket to, to tackle come September in terms of a training program or something along those lines. Um, you know, I think it's just a, a time of year. I think in the episode last week, I called it the other January when people just naturally start to look at, um, you know, is there anything new I want to take on? And if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode and you are feeling inspired to take something on um, in terms of your teaching, I really would love for you to listen to that episode. It's it's really unique. I don't think it's a conversation that anyone's ever had with teachers um, in the way that I present it. Uh, maybe if you are working with a teacher mentor or coach, um, it might be something that they're discussing with you to shape kind of your development as a teacher. Um, but let's face it, you know, a lot of us, myself included, are really working independently and we don't have coaches. Um, I've been teaching for almost 20 years now. So even though I feel like I have a good handle on my niche and the way I present yoga and what I'm passionate about in terms of my teaching and training of teachers, that doesn't mean, you know, I don't look for the, the um, benefits that come with working with a coach. Right now, most of the coaching that I invest in has to do with my development as an entrepreneur. And I do a lot of self-study, a lot of self-study around learning more anatomy and uh, the human movement system and biomechanics and that kind of thing. Um, but every year I try to invest some money, a couple thousand dollars actually, more than that, in uh, something that's specific to growing my anatomy training. Because I'm a certified personal trainer, I have to do it every two years. 
to renew my certification. So that, you know, kind of checks the box in terms of ongoing education. So how about you? Have you listened to that episode yet? You know, have you walked yourself through what might be, um, I don't know, just kind of a new leaf, turning over a new leaf this, this coming September for you in terms of your development as a teacher and really getting specific about what areas you want to focus on. So, so that kind of leads me into, you know, a little bit of a preface for the reason I'm going to focus this episode on the topic of how to break down the study of anatomy into its key parts. Um, I'll just tell you kind of what inspired me to focus on this for this week's episode. As I mentioned before, I do a lot of um, work with a mentor as part of a group program that has to do with building my business. And a lot of my business right now is really conducted over the internet. So it's really, you know, in the area of digital marketing. And so that's not something that I was ever trained in. I didn't have a marketing background. I had a healthcare background, a health insurance background in the corporate world. So it's been a long process for me to learn different ways to reach more teachers uh, with my Blueprint Learning Program and all the other things that go along with that, all the free content I develop, you know, getting in touch with people via my mailing list, creating free downloads for people and, and how all the mechanics of that work, both from a technical infrastructure and um, a marketing perspective. So there's a whole education that happens for entrepreneurs. And I actually, at this point, am so ensconced in it that I actually do some teaching to entrepreneurs around a lot of what I've learned as a way to help them grow their businesses. So having said all that, because I'm in this mentoring group, I have, I mean, every week there is so much in the category of, you know, free support or free content that I can access. And over this summer, I've been spending, I would say, upwards of 10 hours a week just consumed in listening to podcasts, watching webinars, attending free online trainings. I mean, all of this has been free and all of it's been great, but I got to the point yesterday where I said, it's too much. It is essentially preventing me from actually taking action on the things I wanna do to reach more teachers and help them understand anatomy. So I just put the kibosh on it yesterday. I deleted everything in my inbox that had to do with a pending podcast I was going to listen to, a pending webinar I was going to listen to, a recording of a webinar, a training that was coming up in September. I just said, enough. I've invested in my mentor's program. I have lifetime access to that. I love the fact that there's additional stuff, but I'm going to focus on two things referring back to the program when I have a question and taking action. And so the reason I'm telling you this story is because this is also a theme that might be prevalent in your life right now as a yoga teacher, and you might not even be aware of it. In fact, 
the fact that you're listening to my podcast right now might be a sign <laughs> that you are where I was over the past couple of months. You know, you are just going from free content piece to free content piece to try to piece together anatomy training for yourself. And that is a really common experience that yoga teachers tell me that they are experiencing. And there's nothing wrong with that. What I want to offer you though today is a review of a much better process that you can implement to teach yourself anatomy. And I definitely don't recommend you try to teach yourself anatomy, but at least if you're going to be out there in the free content world, it's better that you have an organized way to approach certain topics. Now, as we go through each one of these items, because I've gone through this before, but it's still valuable, especially if you didn't hear the episode in the past. I don't remember when it was actually. Um, but even if you did, this is a good review. And as I go through the steps, I'm going to bring up specific examples from teaching. So you can think of this as an anatomy lesson, but I want to give you the overall framework that ex it exists in. So you can you know, have an idea of what that is. And then also, I'm going to tell you that all of this step-by-step -step is contained in a PDF that you can download right on my homepage. The, the outline is called, the PDF is called 10 Key Steps to Learning Anatomy. So you can just download that right on my homepage. And the other thing I want to tell everybody is that last Friday, I turned on a brand new website. Now, I don't put a lot of stock in websites. <laughs> I think that for any business, the most important thing um, is that they provide good service. Uh, for us as yoga teachers, I don't think it's necessary that you have a website. Uh, for me, it's necessary because I have a podcast, because I sell uh, a digital program, the Blueprint Learning Program. And so I needed a place on the internet where people could access that information. Now, granted, when you go to my website, you can't buy my program because I don't have it available all the time. I open enrollment in a controlled enrollment uh, scenario, a launch several times a year. But on my website, you can access my blog, my podcast, and a lot of the free resources I have for teachers, including this one here. I mentioned the new website though, because if you've been to my website before, when you go now, you're gonna see a brand new thing. And the look and feel is different. And I wanna really emphasize that the look is different because I picked branding colors. And if you have a website right now and you never thought about the color scheme of your website, again, I don't put a lot of stock in this kind of stuff. I would much rather you have, you know, real teeth to what you're doing as a teacher. But I will say it's pretty cool to pick branding colors and then put them on your website and then when you go to your website or when other people go to your website, it really gives them a vibe of you. And they may have never met you before, but now when they go, they're gonna see a color scheme that you picked. And again, you might think this is hogwash, but I can't even tell you when I looked, um, I forget the website that the designer directed me to, but when I looked at this palette website where they had groups of colors represented together on a color palette, thousands of them. I just 
loved going through that. If you like me have like a home decorating bent, um, like to do home renovations and things like that, this is part of that world as well. And you'll really, really love it. And um, when you pick a palette, it has five colors in it. And so when you go to my website, you're going to see all the hues of pink and mauve and lilac, just colors that look good on me when I wear them. And I love them. And I've always loved them. And I never did this before. And I've had a website for almost 25 years at this point, or maybe 20 years. So that's just a little side note. If you do have a website, definitely take some time and invest in uh, branding colors. And then, you know, maybe just do a quick refresh with a web designer to make your branding colors part of the look and feel of your site. Um, you'll also see all these branding colors in my Instagram, which has undergone a total revamp in terms of the look and feel of that. Uh, so just wanted to let you know, you know, pink is me and shades of pink are me. That's my favorite colors. So um, that's a sense that people will get when they visit the site. So on the website homepage, you're going to see the 10 key steps to learning anatomy PDF. And that's what I'm going to be going over today. So you can refer to that as, um, as a follow-up piece of content or resource that you can just have on hand. So let me just go through what the key points are. So the first thing is, as you're kind of out there studying anatomy, be sure that you're focusing on the basics. Understanding the basics of anatomy is really something that is often lacking. You know, I know this because when I hear teachers cue, the words that they use are a mismatch for what's happening. And so that oftentimes is what lets me in on a, a clue that they don't have a good understanding of the fundamentals of anatomy. So when you ask people to extend the arms up in the air, that's incorrect because as we reach our arms up, we're moving into shoulder flexion. Now, notwithstanding, there might be conversational words that you use to create right action in your students, and that's okay. Um, but it's important that if you can use the proper term, you do, in my mind. And if you use a different term, that you provide some clarification for your students so that they know it's, it's kind of a artistic license that you're exercising at that point. Um, another thing that falls into this category that is, is something I hear a lot um, is incorrect cues to the scapula. Really be sure that you understand your scapular movements as distinct from your shoulder joint movements. And that as you're cueing people around movements of the scapula, you know what you're talking about. Right. So as you have people in plank, their scapula are uh, protracted. As you have them interlacing their hands behind their back, their scapula are retracted. These are otherwise known as uh, abduction and adduction. Those are just two of the several scapular movements that are out there. But saying something like elevate your scapula as you ask people to lift the scapula up is incorrect because uh, I'm sorry, as you ask people to uh, reach their arms up to the sky and refer to that as 
scapular elevation, that's incorrect because it's actually upward rotation. So again, these are distinguishing factors that will help you as a yoga teacher be clear in your communication with your students and also be informing them about how the body works. So when you're out there and you're studying anatomy, this number one issue, this first issue on the list of 10, getting down to basics means you're gonna be studying and learning the fundamental components. So anatomical movements, key bones and joints and muscles and, and how muscles work, uh, you know, kind of independent of yoga poses, as well as how they work in yoga poses. There are other things on that list of basic topics, but I'll just kind of suffice it to say, understanding the basics is the first step. So the, the next piece to keep in mind as you're kind of going through your studies is to focus on applying anatomy to yoga, right? So you may say, well, that sounds pretty obvious. I think I knew that. <laughs> and you probably did. I just want you to keep that in mind though, as you're out there weeding through all the free content that's out there. If you're reading an article that pertains to something at the level of um, how muscles work that is so niche and so down the rabbit hole that you're really never going to use that in your teaching, either in cueing or conversations with your students or sequence building. It's probably not necessary that that be part of your studies. However, if you're doing just a basic understanding of how muscles work so that it can inform the words you use when you're teaching, that is really important. So you definitely want to be able to make that distinction. And this is of course the danger with using free content as the way you educate yourself without any perimeter around what you're going to be letting into your learning process. You're, you know, just like I was the past couple of weeks or really two months, June, July, two and a half months, I've been going through all this content and sure it applies, but is it really helping me focus on the key things that I need to do better? Not really. All right, so the next thing is, look at the key parts of the body, not every part. So this is a bit of a piggyback off of issue two that we just went over. And it really has to do with, you know, key parts. When I teach anatomy, I don't break down hand anatomy and foot anatomy. I know that you're going to have questions about the hands and the feet. Um, you're going to look that up when you need to. I focus on the key parts of the body. So we're talking arms and legs and spine and, you know, different aspects of the spine. And of course, the muscles and the fascia and the tendons and the ligaments that are there as well. So that's a, a quick review of the, the key pieces. Um, just keep that in mind. This again is a good red flag for you to, to integrate into your con consuming of free content. Is it relevant to teaching yoga? Is it a very um, fundamental part of the body that I need to learn in order to be a better teacher? The next one is look at muscles in poses. So looking at muscles in poses, you know, there's kind of the two-step part. There's learning the muscles independently. And that tends to be like the biggest um, 
component of learning anatomy, that somewhat long process of um, remembering the muscle names, the origin and the insertion, the concentric action. And so that work has to be done first before you can ever get to the point where you are looking at muscles and poses. And this is again, where teachers get tripped up. They're out there in the free content world and they're seeing these you know, things on Facebook, articles on Facebook, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, prominent teachers. And the presentation of a pose with the muscles included without the fundamental understanding first of what does that muscle do independent is a bit of a disservice to a teacher, not through any fault of the teacher. Um, and that's because you have to understand the muscle first independently before you can understand it in the context of a pose. So as you do that learning, you know, for each muscle and you get to yourself to the point, and this is a point that I think is a good target for you to shoot for as you are doing your self-study. If you can get yourself to the point where you can look just at a skeleton and talk through using, using the skeleton, all the key muscles on the skeleton, just conversationally, or even do it with a human being. That is really a target to set yourself up for. You know, can I just look at a skeleton or look at a person and working with this person in a one-on-one -on -one scenario? Can I point to different parts of the body, name the muscle, the origin and the insertion and the concentric action uh, that it does? So that's really important to do first. And then you move on to looking at muscles and poses and you have a much easier time of it because you know the muscles independently as, as a starting point. So the next one is, the next two actually are about, you know, how are you gonna share your anatomy knowledge with your students? So I, I mentioned before, scapular movements and shoulder movements and the importance of being able to distinguish between the two. So that's a perfect example. You know, there are a lot of postures where speaking to shoulder anatomy is really, really important. You know, there's kind of the common experience of everybody hunching all the time. And so there are a lot of references made in yoga classes all over the place about hunching and we don't want to be hunching a lot, you know, but you can say that and that's valuable, but really knowing why you're saying that and what's really behind it from an anatomical standpoint is really what sets apart teachers who really understand anatomy and teachers who are just repeating stuff that they heard or were told to say. So briefly, what we're really concerned about there is as we are in any postural position for an extended period of time, we create a scenario where muscles and fascia tend to conform to the position that they're in. Because let's face it, if you're doing the same thing all the time, the infrastructure of your body will be in that position a lot. Uh, you know, true confessions, I'm sort of guilty of this right now because I'm running five, six days a week, usually about five days a week, about four miles at a clip. And that's really all I've been doing for the past three months. I have been really remiss on my resistance training and my yoga practice. My yoga practice consumed my life from about 
November until March. And then the weather got nicer and I got the dog and everything with my home yoga practice kind of went off the off the rails. And so now I practice maybe once a week, if that. And so for me, biomechanically, muscularly, I am constantly in flexion and extension of the hips with very little AB and adduction and not really tremendous extension, right? Certainly a lot more active flexion. And so that's one example of in the context of active work, repetitive movement, and there are definitely challenges that I know I'm experiencing as a result of that scenario. And then there's the other scenario, which is more common in the population of the United States, at least, which has to do with the body being in a particular postural position, but more passively, right? Sitting at your desk, laying on the couch, watching a lot of television, being more sedentary because of changes in your lifestyle due to the COVID pandemic. So in that second scenario, you have a different set of issues because now muscles that used to be actively contracting are not. And as we hunch, the muscles that keep our scapula more kind of on the back and maybe even a little adducted are now overly stretched. So we're talking about the rhomboids and the middle trapezius. And so when we take those two muscles and we try to actively use them, they tend to be weak because we've been overstretching them through our constant positional posture or shape, namely hunching. And so what really can be helpful in that scenario in particular is giving those two muscles opportunity to concentrically contract. So you can do this through, you know, any kind of posture that had scapular adduction. You can also do it through resistance training, i.e. working with weights or even, and really lightweights, you know, if you were doing uh, any kind of scapular strengthening, um, if you've ever been in a gym and kind of laid on an exercise ball and taking your arms out into a T-shape, holding weights or even not, and then bringing the arms back and then reaching the arms up into an A-shape, reaching the arms down into a Y-shape, all the while trying to bring the scapular, scapula closer together, or even doing kind of standard rows, certainly cable rows, if you have access to a gym are even better. So strengthening those muscles that adduct the scapula is what's called for when you have this constant hunch, hunching positioning. And so the more you understand that, the more you're able to create sequences that give people an opportunity for scapular adduction. And the more you understand it, beyond just creating the sequence, you're able to integrate into your sequence cues that will help your students understand why they're doing what they're doing. Another muscle where this comes up uh, with, which is really good to focus on is the serratus anterior. So the serratus anterior, just like the middle traps and the rhomboids tends to be weak in many people. And this is oftentimes because again, the hunching I think is part of it. And also, the excessive scapular movement when people are in postures like plank, rather than having uh, the scapular movement or the scapula more steady on the back, 
as people are in postures like plank and low plank, the scapula tend to be kind of moving around on the back, oftentimes because the teacher isn't really sharing the desired movement with the student. And in some cases, I don't like to teach from don't, but the kinds of things you don't want to see. So as your students are in plank, you don't want them to be elevating their scapula and you don't want them to be adducting their scapula. You actually want them to abduct their scapula. So a way that you can have them learn how to do this is to just put them in plank. And I've talked about this before, put them in plank and have them press down into the ground and do a little cat pose and hold the, you know, kind of cat shape, speak to the fact that the scapula are, scapula are abducting and then have them go back to regular plank, have them do this three or four times. These are typically called scap, um, plank push-ups. And um, that will help them sense, oh, okay, my scapula are moving apart. Then when I come back to plank, kind of the regular plank, they're kind of settling back in more to a normal positioning. So, you know, this kind of scapular strengthening exercise, you can, you can also do during um, dolphin pose. You can also do it during low push-up. Um, that would probably, oh, crow. You, you also see uh, serratus anterior action in crow. So, you know, again, your knowledge of this anatomy information is in this category of, you know, specific ways you can share anatomy with your students. And, you know, ultimately what you're doing is you're helping them with your knowledge. Right. And you're helping them with your knowledge in a way that extends beyond just their experience in that class. Because when you really understand anatomy and you're talking to them about any of these examples I've just gone over, that's information that carries over to their life via the posture that they have in their life versus the postures they do on the mat. And so that is a really good example of how you can expand your impact beyond just I'm here teaching this class to I'm here to really help you move your body in a healthier and better way. And, you know, that is, again, for me as a teacher trainer on the subject of anatomy, that is one of the things that lights me up when I think about the teachers that go through my program and how they now have an enhanced ability to help the students that come to their classes beyond just the class. And so this is that ripple effect of me teaching those teachers about anatomy and ways that they can share it with their students through the cues and sequences and conversations they have with their students. Now, those teachers are sharing anatomy in these powerful, clearly communicated ways with their students. Those students now go out and as they're moving about their day, they're hearing their teacher's voice, oh, you know, sit up straight, maybe do a couple of bridge poses to strengthen glute max because glute max tends to be weak. Maybe do a little bit of those plank push-ups to strengthen serratus anterior. I remember they told me that in class and why. You know, it's providing that, it creates that ripple effect to create better health in all these people that these teachers are seeing and more confidence and more tools in the tool belt for all the teachers 
that have run through my program. So this is not to toot my own horn, it's to give you a sense of this idea of expanding your impact beyond your classes. And that for a lot of teachers that I talk to is something they really want. They don't want just people logging on or coming to the studio and just having it be a once and done. They want their students to feel the impact of the yoga practice beyond just that when they're done, they let out a big sigh when they come up from Shavasana and say, oh, I feel great. They want those students to have, um, to be armed with information that they can use whenever to help them feel better. That's really how you increase your impact. And I would say, I can't think of any teacher who would say, I don't wanna do that. So keep in mind, this is again, you know, it all gets back to, you know, having an organized way you're learning anatomy, sticking with it, you know, the sticking with it part reverts back to what I talked about at the beginning with regard to, hey, it's September. Do you have your goals set for the latter part of the year? Have you listened to the prior episode where I run through a whole self-evaluation process that you can use to come up with those goals? You know, I know I kind of had a little bit of a free content bashing at the beginning of this episode, but, and I also know that I'm not an objective um, uh, observer, but I have to say, you know, these kinds of topics that, that we're talking about here on the podcast are really, really central key topics to teacher development. So I really hope that you're able to take advantage of this information and really do more than just listen to this stuff, really have it you know, impact how you're going out there and doing things. And again, you can send me an email and say, Karen, this is total bullshit. I think you're just trying to market your program. Or maybe you can send me an email or comment on my Instagram or send me a DM and say, yeah, this is really helping me as I'm kind of out here on my own developing as a teacher, you know, or something in between. So I'm always open to hearing how this is all landing. You know, I'm, I'm here in this echo chamber as I speak uh, uh, here, uh, recording this podcast episode, as I do with all episodes. So the more feedback I can get, you know, the better I can make this information for you, the more custom. So always feel free to send me your thoughts. So the next piece has to do with in this kind of step-by-step -step way, we're up to number eight out of 10, is leverage your anatomy knowledge to build sequences with anatomy themes. You know, I mean, <laughs> I can remember, I did it myself. Um, you know, I, I still see it now and again, the teacher coming in with the journal or the notebook, whatever it is, you know, and just referring to the book as support for teaching. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I want to emphasize that. However, the process of building sequences is number one, a definite way that you can share anatomy. And number two, you know, wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to have that notebook? Wouldn't it be great if you had a really organized process for building sequences? So, you know, the dependency on the written word is kind of a separate um, teaching challenge that can be remedied, and I don't, I don't mean remedied, can be um, looked at through a little bit of a different coaching process. What we're talking about here is the ability to blend anatomy into your sequences. Because let's face it, 
the main thing you're doing as a teacher in terms of your communication is um, the sequence you provide is one method of what you're communicating and the words you're saying, i.e. the cues are the other. So you want to be sure that, you know, here we're talking about sequencing, the sequence you provide is anatomically sound and you can also leverage the sequence as a way of communicating a particular anatomical theme. So as I was saying before, if we took the conversation around scapular movements and shoulder movements, you could create a whole sequence that informed your students about the differences there. And as part of that, help them understand what muscles that attach to the shoulder and the scapula tend to be weak and what movements can we do to strengthen them? You know, so that's one way to use the sequence as a communication tool, right? Um, the other thing about the cues has to do with obviously what you're saying. I want to just make one more comment about the sequencing though. Sequencing and developing sequences is, you know, I think another way that teachers really illustrate their understanding of anatomy. You know, when I take a class and there's a lot of balancing poses on one leg, or there's a lot of teaching poses with a lot of high degree of mobility required in the joints. You know, I wonder sometimes, is this something that the teacher's teaching because it's something they just think is a good thing to teach, or do they really understand the anatomical implications for, let's say, offering tree pose versus offering a lotus variation in tree? You know, tree pose in the standard presentation has very little risk to a student. However, once we start to create, you know, kind of that torquing of the knee as we try to get the foot up in the hip and all of that, the risk inherently goes up. And I am definitely not somebody that subscribes to that whole narrative that's out there around, I need to teach safe classes, yoga is not safe. You know, the implication of I want to teach safe classes is the converse, which is because yoga is potentially unsafe. I don't subscribe to that. I subscribe to the uh, idea that the more informed you are about anatomy, the more you can offer highly accessible classes where the risk inherently is low. However, so in this context, when we're talking about tree versus the lotus variation of tree, the more you understand about anatomy, you know that offering that lotus variation is just inherently harder for people because of the requirement for external rotation of the hip to prevent the knee from having to take on all that external rotation, that it's just not set up that way. The knee being a hinge pivot joint, it can do it, but the hip is much better suited for that movement because it's a ball and socket. So again, your sequences is kind of your sequence is kind of your silent way of communicating, you know, anatomy information and your cues are the actual way you're communicating the verbal way. Um, and those two things together become a platform for you to maybe teach your students something or focus on something you're passionate about or use it as a vehicle to work with people who have a specific need, like a group of runners or pregnant moms or, you know, um, people who are beginners to yoga, that kind of thing. 
Okay, so number uh, number nine, provide clear cues that teach your students something about the anatomy of the pose. So, you know, you might think listening to me that if you came and took my class, it would be filled with anatomy uh, in terms of the cues. And that is not the case. I am a huge proponent of teaching from action. And as much anatomy as I know, as much anatomy as I will continue to learn, I focus primarily on telling people clear action cues because that's going to be the most successful way for students to understand what I want them to do. As soon as I start to talk about alignment or anatomy or somatic cues, the comprehension level goes down. Um, and that has nothing to do really with me. It really just has to do with the type of information that I'm sharing. Action cues will have the highest degree of understandability, even in someone who's highly distracted. A somatic-based cue just requires way too much interpretation and tends to be something that is really individual, um, but yet it's being used in a group context. So, you know, most of my classes are, the anatomy is kind of underneath it all in terms of the sequence that I'm running people through. There are specific cues that I definitely will throw out there that are specific anatomy-based cues, but most of the cues are gonna be action cues. You know, your split between the four types of cues, anatomy, alignment, I'm sorry, action, alignment, anatomy, and feeling-based or somatic cues is up to you. Um, and, and I would say, <laughs> you know, the reality is sharing anatomy-based cues is absolutely a great way to teach people about their bodies. And yeah, maybe some of the things they're going to be somewhat familiar with, but a lot of it probably won't be. And furthermore, you have a way, the more you understand how, that, how anatomy works in the context of the poses to help your students understand more about any pose what muscles are helping them do the pose, what that muscle does independent of the pose. And that can be a great way to educate them about their bodies. You can then go into different ways to share anatomy that have to do with talking about certain muscles that tend to be weak because of postural habits that we have. That's a really popular topic um, or focus, you know, both in the exercise training world and, and certainly within yoga teaching, where you can leverage that as a way to teach people, hey, did you know as you're doing this plank, you're strengthening your serratus anterior, this is a muscle that tends to be weak. So we're going to do a couple of extra things to really strengthen this muscle. And every time we do it, we want the scapula abducting, which is moving away from your spine. So we're going to do plank, we're going to do dolphin, we're going to do crow. And I want you to see as we do these postures, even low push up, if you can maintain a similar position in terms of the shoulder blades on your back with respect to the spine. So like that's a way to kind of start to build a theme around the anatomy lesson that you wanna be sharing. And so then the last thing is apply your anatomy knowledge to a specific self-care and teaching technique called myofascial release. So this is a whole topic in and of itself. It's a whole module in my blueprint learning program. Um, but I wanted to include it here because it's really something that, you know, a lot of teachers are not trained on myofascial release, how to do it. 
you know, their, their initial 200 hour teacher training didn't go into a deep dive or any sort of dive uh, in terms of fascia and what is fascia. And that is absolutely at this point in time, that is definitely, definitely something that you want, um, you want to have as an understanding as a teacher. It's not enough anymore to just talk about muscles and know how muscles work. You know, we know way too much more about fascia right now than we did years ago. And it's critical that teachers have that understanding. Myofascia, myofasc, um, myofascial release, sorry, is a specific technique. And while it does impact fascia, I'm sorry, while it does impact muscle too, it's really designed around fascia. So, you know, I'm not going to go into all the details here. I would just say in your self-study on anatomy and your consumption of free content, you know, include that as a, as a topic that you want to get more well-versed in, uh, because MFR is definitely something that will come up as uh, a really good suggestion for students when you have them approach you and they have those aches and pains or sore spots, or, you know, they feel some resistance as they come into poses that share a particular anatomical action in, in a particular joint, MFR becomes a really logical offering. And the more you're aware of how that all works, the better you'll be able to help your students. And again, grow your impact as a teacher. And I know you wanna do that, right? You want, you want your impact to grow. So we've come to the end of today's episode. So I've gone through the 10 uh, key aspects or 10 key steps to learning anatomy. You can download the PDF that walks you through these by just going to the website, barebonesyoga.com. Check out the branding colors <laughs> and, um, and, and download that. It's right on the homepage. You'll see I set the homepage up so it's really designed for you, the yoga teacher. It'll walk you through a number of things that you can um, access as free resources. Uh, this is just one of them, but you'll see other things you can access as well. And again, you know, just be wary of the pit I fell into and, you know, don't take everything, you know, think about where am I at as a teacher right now? What do I really need to learn? And, um, you know, one final thing I'll say on that, which I talk about, uh, you know, I don't want to say a lot, but which I have talked about in various episodes is, you know, when you're ready to make an investment in an actual program to teach you anatomy, your teaching is going to change a hundred thousand percent, you know, similar to my experience as an entrepreneur, you know, when I dabbled in free content versus when I invested in a program, um, just so many things changed. And so that's why I say um, free content is okay. Actually investing in a program is light years beyond it. And, and in large part, it's because when you pay for something, you're going to be more motivated to actually transform in the way you want to. It's when you're kind of just out there in the free content world, it becomes harder because there's really no commitment you've made to yourself. And I will say, even when you pay for something, it doesn't guarantee that you'll learn what you set out to learn. I mean, I actually built a learning awards program into my program to keep teachers motivated um, to stay on track. 
because, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's a lot going on in everybody's life, uh, pandemic notwithstanding. And then on top of that, add a pandemic uh, with ever change with an ever changing landscape. And, you know, if you were to invest in my program tomorrow and give yourself a 90 day goal to finish it, it it's going to take some um, pretty significant focus to stay on that path. But I already thought through all that and I have a number of things, including um, a learning rewards program to keep you on track. So again, just, just keep that in mind. Be gentle with yourself. Don't make yourself feel guilty for whatever you can or can't do. Um, do your best. Um, stay coachable, stay open-minded. You know, don't fall into the trap that I hear from other teachers, you know, oh, well, I, I know everything I need to know, or I, I just really not, you know, I mean, that's not going to serve you. And that's ultimately not going to serve your students. So again, that episode from last week is a great way to kind of do a healthy reeval of where you're at. And I'm happy to support you in whatever way possible. If you go through that episode and the questions that go with it, and you want somebody to bounce things off of, just reach out to me on Instagram and we'll set something up. So I want to thank you. If you're still listening, you've listened to this whole episode. I want to thank you for staying focused and, and staying with me. And um, I wish you a really, really good week. And I will see you all, uh, or I will at least touch base with you all next week uh, on the next episode of the podcast conversations for yoga teachers. Thank you so much for listening and namaste. Hi everybody, Karen Fabian here. And thank you so much for listening to that episode before you hang up, before you disconnect and move on with your day. I just want to let you know, if you're like a lot of the yoga teachers that I talk to, you're looking for ways to break down anatomy into its key parts so that you've got an organized approach for your studying. Well, I'm going to tell you an easy way that you can get hold, get a hold of the topics that you should be studying. And they're all reviewed in my Learn Anatomy Challenge. This is a free video series that you can access online, watch the videos, download the guide that goes with it, and you'll essentially have an outline to shape the studying that you're doing because it takes the broad subject of anatomy and breaks it down into just the key topics that you need to know. So in order to get to the Learn Anatomy Challenge free video series, you're going to need to go to the special URL, the special web page that holds these videos. So if you're driving right now, you're probably not going to be able to obviously write this down. If you're able to write this down, I want you to just grab a pen and a piece of paper and just write down this URL. You can also send me a direct message on Instagram and I'll send you the link directly. If you're looking for the URL, you want to just go to it yourself. Uh, I'm going to give it to you right now. It is barebonesyoga.lpages.co forward slash learn anatomy challenge forward slash. And in between the words learn anatomy challenge are hyphens. So it's learn hyphen anatomy hyphen challenge and then forward slash. So again, I'll just read you the URL, barebonesyoga.lpages.co forward slash learn hyphen anatomy hyphen challenge forward slash. So that's the webpage that holds all of these videos. There's nine of them. 
and you can go through those and you can take notes, you can print out the uh, guide that goes with it. That would be, uh, that will be a great companion guide to have in front of you as you're going through these videos. So again, if you have any trouble getting to it, just send me a direct message on Instagram and I'm happy to send you the link directly. Don't be on your own trying to study anatomy. Use this free video series to hone in on just the topics that you need to know. Good luck.